What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields and Brandon Johnson. Today's guest is Bridger Pennington. Bridger is a fund manager and the co-founder of the online education platform Investment Fund Secrets. While in college, Bridger decided to dedicate his time and energy to learning as much as he could about how investment funds work. After starting and managing multiple funds, Bridger took his knowledge and expertise and created an online course that helps other people start and manage their own funds. Bridger's philosophy is, if you want to change the world, you first have to change your own world, and Investment Fund Secrets has done just that for many people. Bridger's goal is to make the once elitist and exclusive world of investment funds accessible to anyone who's willing to learn. In this episode, we discuss how Bridger got his start and how you can also use investment funds to change your world. Enjoy this conversation with Bridger Pennington. Bridger, welcome to the Right Place Right Now podcast. How are you today? Good. Excited to be on. Good to be with Travis and Brandon. Good to see you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, you're a little bit under the weather and uh, there's a lot going on this time of year, but we, we wanted to pull you in because you're doing some really great things around funds and raising money. And we think that it's a really good opportunity that maybe our listeners don't have a lot of exposure to. So if you could tell us a little bit about what it is you do and we'll go from there. Yeah. So I'll just give you the one minute overview. So my name is Bridger Pennington. Um, I've launched a number of investment funds. So if you've heard of hedge funds or private equity or real estate funds, that's kind of the world I'm talking about. So I've launched two funds. I launched them in my twenties and that we can get in that story if you want. Um, pretty fun story. I sold one of them this year, actually had a competitor come and buy us out. And with that, I actually, um, I'm right now I'm launching two more funds. So we have a crypto fund coming out. We've raised, uh, we soft raised about $12 million so far for a crypto fund. We have a real estate fund coming out that we've raised somewhere around $50 million soft raised for that fund, both coming out at the beginning of the year. What we help people do is start, launch and scale these types of funds. It's kind of this secret world of the ultra wealthy that run these, these funds. And I can get into my story a little bit, but my, my family, I have a very unique position with my family. Um, my dad runs a decabillion dollar fund. My brother is, is a security attorney, was a chief compliance officer at a $700 million fund, now works at the largest law firm in the world uh, for funds, helps set these things up, all that kind of stuff. So, and none of us went to Harvard. None of us did the Ivy League route. We're all just, you know, entrepreneurs that figured this thing out. So anyways, that's kind of the long and the short of it. We, we started a company called Investment Fund Secrets just to help people learn about this secret world that no one talks about. So we started making YouTube videos. We started making a podcast. We started making content online um, and courses and coaching and stuff like that to just help more people launch funds. So right now we've got uh, just over 4,000 students that have joined our stuff that have paid. We've got about 11,000 students that have just joined one of our, we have a free course actually I can, we can give to you guys at the end, a total hundred percent free course on funds. Um, The idea we're trying to spread this knowledge to everybody. We're trying to make funds mainstream. Um, because it's this, it's been for decades, this secret world of the, you know, the ultra rich that regular people haven't had the knowledge to get into. And so anyways, that's what we do. And we've helped people. We've got um, one fund that we've helped. They started about 18 months ago. They have now raised $900 million for their hedge fund. We've got two funds that have raised somewhere around $100 million each, a couple dozen funds between 10 and $30 million. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. And these are all over the world. It's just, it's amazing what these funds are doing. We have people doing almond farm funds or buying Hollywood scripts 
and like writer from writers. We got people doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Real estate. It's just, it's really fun to be a part of. Okay. So I, for the person that's listening right now, we're two minutes in, they're already like, okay, this is over my head. And you're talking numbers that are not in any sort of realm for me. You're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, even for a lot of people, a couple million dollars is out of touch. Right. But the reason we reached out to you is because you really have found a way to make this accessible to everyday people and put a system together. So if you don't mind, let's strip it back a little bit. And I want to get into some of the things, but talk to us about what a fund is just kind of at a remedial level. Yeah. So at the basic level, right? I keep using the word fund. Like, what do I even mean? All a fund is, is a pool of money and investors will put money into that pool. People like me and you fund managers, we can draw from that pool and go and make investments. So one example is a real estate fund. A lot of people listening, you know, I want to buy real estate one day, but you like the you know traditional route is you work your job, you earn some money, and then maybe you buy a duplex or a fourplex, or you buy a house or whatever. The other side of it, you could start a fund. So you could set up a pool of money. Investors put money into that pool. You use that pool of money to go buy, you know, a, an apartment complex or a building. You renovate it, you fix it, you flip it, you sell it, and then you split the returns between yourself and the investors. So when I say fund, it's really not that complex. All it is is just a pool of money. Um, so that would be a real estate fund. If anybody heard of private equity funds, same exact model, hedge funds, same exact model. The only difference is what they invest into. I mean, this goes back to like Christopher Columbus, right? It was like, hey, government, give me some money. We'll sail to the new world. We'll get a bunch of gold. We'll come back and we'll split it. Like this is like one of the oldest business models in the world, right? And there's a few nuances, but that's kind of it. That's all we're talking about, right? Is, is setting up a fund. So the, the kind of nuances, you know, you hear about hedge funds or private equity. The only difference is what they buy and sell. They actually function almost exactly the same. So for example, a private equity fund is again, a pool of money. They buy and sell privately held businesses. So we have a guy in our group, he buys up restaurants. So he goes around and buys up restaurants. Another guy we have buys almond farms, like farms. He goes around and buys up farms. Uh, a great example is Sycamore Partners. They're on Wall Street. They manage $8 billion. Sycamore Partners owns, you probably don't know this, they're, they're owned, they own Staples, like the, you know, the big store that you buy, like, you know, books and stuff, Staples, Nine West Shoes, Aeropostale. And last year they were trying to buy Victoria's Secret. All the same company. They're all owned by the same group. And there's a lot of these transactions. Those are private money deals. Um, the other side is hedge funds. Instead of doing things privately, hedge funds do things publicly. So hedge funds buy public companies, uh, stocks, bonds, crypto, Forex. It's just a big pool of money and they go buy you know, stocks or options or bonds, right? It's just, uh, anyways, is that kind of making sense? Following along so far, a real estate fund is just a pool of money that goes and buys and sells real estate. That's all, that's all we're talking about here. Okay. So how do you, how do you get into this? Because it's, it's one thing to be like, okay, I know that if I had this pool of money, I could go and buy a, a couple fourplexes and flip them. Right. But there's, there seems like there's some pieces to this one. There's, there's finding the, the thing to put the money into. And then there's this other side of selling it to all these other people that don't actually have their hands on it. So how do you navigate that world in a way where you're, getting these people to trust you to give you millions of dollars? Yeah, it's a great question. There's a lot of ways I could probably answer this question. I'll, kind of, I'll just keep it simple. We can dive, dive more into it. But essentially what you're trying to do for 
this there, there's a ton of arbitrage in this in this world because you have rich people like crypto cryptocurrency is a fantastic example right now and we're launching a crypto fund so I'll just tell you what it is there's all these old people that have a have money and they've heard about this thing called cryptocurrencies and nfts and they don't they don't get it they don't know but they're like hey i, I know i want to get in i just don't know how or who or like you know and i don't want to even i don't even want to think about it just you know can i hire you to just manage some money for me. And so you say, sure. And you go, we'll set up a little, a little fund, give us some of your money. We'll put it in a, a traditional hedge fund, usually charges about 20% of the gains. So, hey, what, we'll make some money, whatever we make, we'll, I will keep 20% for managing it. And I'll take a little fee as well. And then you keep the rest. And they go, fantastic. I don't have to think about anything. This sounds awesome. Same thing with real estate. I'm, I'm invested in two real estate funds right now. I personally don't, I don't want to drive and fix toilets and go, I just go, Hey, I trust this, these, this group of people, they're smart. They've done real estate for 30 years. They're going to go buy these big apartment complexes. Cool. Here's a hundred thousand dollars, $50,000, whatever it is, take my money and you just go manage it and, and do it. Right. That's the benefit for the investors for a fund. And secondly, you're diversified across a lot of assets. Instead of just buying one duplex and hoping it does well, I invest in a real estate fund and they're invested in 30 or 40 or 50 properties. So yeah, two or three are going to go bad. Of course, probably two or three are going to do really well. And the other 45 are going to probably be right in the middle. So anyways, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of the, the benefit for people to be in these funds um, as far as, as from the investors, uh, the investor point of view. No, that, that makes a ton of sense, right? Like using the example of of the Spanish government sending a boat over here, like they're not equipped to to man a ship across an ocean, mine gold and return it, but they found a guy, right? So we'll invest in that. We'll pay him the, the returns to go and do that for us. I think that crypto is a great example, especially because it's so, it, it evolves so fast right now. And if you're not in touch with it every day, then there's a big chance to lose a lot of money in it, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%. Well, and the other thing I'll just add, you might be sitting there like, well, I don't know if that's like the right thing for me or whatever. Um, I can tell you my story in a minute too, but um, I mean, when you look at like, for me, I was, I got into college. I started six businesses my first years of college and I was starting all these different businesses. I did Chinese tutoring. We had a Forex company. We were building websites for people. And I finally said, I'm going to try to pick before I just do whatever, I'm going to pick a business model that makes a lot of money and has really high margins. If I'm going to dedicate my life to something, right? And like for the next decade, really learn a skill or like this, this area of the world, I might as well choose something that has really high margins and a really big potential. And also a potential to change the world. Funds truly change how the world functions. And so I kind of looked around and I can tell you my story later, but um, investment funds are that thing. I mean, you don't hear about these people. If you look on the Forbes 100 list, it is riddled with fund managers. I mean, some of the wealthiest people on the planet run funds. One guy, Ken Griffin, his fund makes him, this isn't, by the way, you know, you have Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, their net worth goes up because their stock price goes up and then it falls and it goes up. They fluctuate like 10 billion a week, right? I'm not talking about net worth. I'm talking about income, Ken Griffin, income from his fund, just paid to him from one income source. Ken Griffin makes a hundred million dollars a month just from his fund. A hundred, like every month he gets a hundred million dollar check from his fund. I mean, this is like the most lucrative business vehicle on the planet. 
And when I first learned about it, I said, I don't care if it takes me one year or five years or 20 years. I was going to learn how this thing, you know, functioned and how it went. And I was going to be able to start one and scale one, right? Because it was that big of an opportunity. What made you think that this was something you could do? Because you're right. You only see the people that run these funds. They get a five minute spot on on CNN or on MSNBC or whatever it is to talk about their fund and how the market's fluctuating today. And, and these people, like you said, are managing hundreds of millions of dollars, sometimes even billions of dollars. And it just seems so out of touch with the everyday person. What for you was like, you know what, this is something I could do. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell just briefly about my kind of background a little bit. I saw, so I mentioned earlier, I started all these businesses in college. I got into college I was super ambitious. I, I, my perspective on college was I'm paying this for this time period because the reason I'm going to college is to learn how to make money. I mean, yes, I want to explore things, but like, dude, the reason I'm here is to land a great job or to start a great career or to and hopefully make enough money that I can live all my passions and go skiing and go race car driving and all these other fun stuff I want to do. That's the goal of school. So I got into school and I was like, okay, entrepreneurship is the way to get there. And so I started all these businesses and, and they were crazy. And finally, and I grew up, I grew up in a, I would call it a very average house. Um, nothing too special. My dad drove a car with 300,000 miles on it. And my, my dad finally grabs me. I'm 20, 21 years old. I think at the time he goes, Bridger, I want you to go meet with my business partner. I think this guy can really help you. And I said, okay. And so I, I put this, I get a set up an appointment. I, uh, I'm supposed to drive to this guy's house and I pull up to this gated community and this is beautiful neighborhood. I'm like, holy crap. Like, who's my dad's business partner? I pull up to this house. It's this gorgeous white mansion. It's just like huge, right? And I pull up, I'm like, what the freak? Like, who is this guy, right? Like, who's my dad's business partner? And uh, I get out, I go knock on the door. Thankfully, my dad's business partner comes and goes, Bridger, come on in. We, he brings me in. You know, he's got the wine cellar and the pool and the basketball court in the basement, like the whole thing, right? And I go sit down and and uh, long story short, I finally ask him, how did you get all of this? Like, how'd you do this? And he goes, Bridger, I, uh, I was just like you in my 20s. I, I actually had moderate success. I did a number of different businesses. But then he goes, then I figured out the secrets of the ultra wealthy. I figured out the model of investment funds and hedge funds and private equity funds. And he goes, I met a guy that one of the wealthiest people I ever met was running a private equity fund. I said, and he said, I don't care how long it takes me. If it takes me one year, five years or 20 years, I was going to figure out how this thing worked and got into it. So anyways, I, at the time I asked him, you know, he goes, we're managing just over $8 billion of real estate right now. Billion with a B. And just to put that into perspective, Grant Cardone, Cardone Capital, they manage just over $2 billion right now. That's four times bigger than Cardone Capital. And today now they're over 10 times bigger than Cardone Capital. And I was blown away. I said, hey, I would love to learn from you. I've always heard from podcasts like this, you know, find a mentor. I'm sure you guys talk about that a lot. Hey, find a mentor, someone that can teach you. And I said, hey, can you be my mentor? And he said, Bridger, um, go talk to your dad. Your dad knows about this way more than I do. And I said, no, no, my dad's broke. He, we're not, we're no. Yeah, I want to learn from you, obviously. Like you're way more successful than him. And he goes, Bridger, I don't want to break it to you, but me and your dad make about the same amount of money. And my chin about dropped to the floor. I was like, huh? Like, come again, you know? And he, uh, he's like, yeah, I mean, we're pretty much equal business partners. And I drove to my dad's house after, and I was like, dad, what the heck? Like, what's going on? Like, why haven't I been able to order dessert at a restaurant for the past 10 years? Cause it's too expensive. And you know, you're out here making all this money. And so anyways, I'm going too long here, but long story short, 
is my dad every Sunday night would sit me down and teach me about funds. He started to teach me about how this world worked and how they launched their funds and, and different things about how they are all put together. And the funny thing happens is when you start to learn about something, you start to notice that thing in your life. And so about six months later, I was, I was in college. I'm working at a, uh, I was an intern at this company and I saw an opportunity. We could start a fund inside this company. We could help lend money to some of these clients. And so anyways, um, I thought it was a great idea. I took it to my dad and uh, I, uh, we got this whole fund together. And I was like, shoot, now I got to raise money. Like that's the one thing that holds you back from rate, you know, start a fund. You need money. You need investors. Like, how am I going to do this? And then I thought this great idea. I said, my dad, my dad is apparently very rich. He doesn't spend his money on Ferraris and Lamborghinis and stuff. He's probably got plenty of money and would love to invest. I'm his son. Right. And so I remember as a late Sunday night, I walked into this guy's office, uh, my dad's office. And I sat down and, and I said, dad, in my best pitch voice possible, I said, dad, how would you like to be our first investor into our fund? And, uh, my dad kind of smiled and laughed and he said, Bridger, I have the money to invest, but if I invest in your fund, it would ruin the experience of you raising money on your own. This is a crutch that you can never recover from. He says, your first investor is your hardest investor to find, and I will not invest with you. And it was a big, tough love moment between me and my dad. And, and he said, no. And, uh, he kicked me out. I kind of walked out with my tail between my legs a little bit. And, uh, and I, I said, you know what, I'm going to take him up on the challenge. And I went out, I talked to everybody I knew, former bosses, college professors, friends from whatever. And at 22 years old, I raised a whopping $49,500 for our first little syndicate fund, which is in, if in, it's very small. If you guys know anything about funds, that's teeny. That's like the smallest fund could ever be, but it was enough to get started. And we launched this little fund. We were doing these small little loans. They were like $2,000, $8,000 loans. And uh, our first group of investors, we got them a 64% return on their money, and which was amazing. And they were so excited. We closed that first one. We launched a second fund doing the same thing. We, out of that fund, we raised and deployed millions of dollars out of that fund. And, uh, and then I just sold that fund this year. Now we're launching two more funds right now. And anyways, that's kind of how I got in this game. And then we, during that time, we, we launched investment fund secrets, the whole thing. So that's, you know, that's kind of how I learned. And I understand by the way, the uniqueness of my position, right? I've got this dad and also a, an incredible brother who's a, a lawyer for funds. And so we sit down at dinner and we talk about economic trends and negative interest rates and, you know, different nuances of funds. And, and we said, why don't we bring that to more people? And so that's kind of, that's kind of the thesis of what we, what we decided to do. What do you say to somebody who doesn't have that unique position, who just wants to get started in this, but really doesn't even have any contacts or any idea what it looks like to take the first step? Yeah. Come listen to us. That's the reason we started this thing was, Hey, we, myself, my dad, my brother, we're going to come on and teach and help and coach and share all the stuff that we have. That's what we do. And we, we bring on other mentors. We have other guys that run billion dollar funds or other gals that run $250 million VC funds. We bring them on and you can learn from them and gives you the, the contacts. My, my dad though, he, he grew up in North Las Vegas, barely graduated college, never, uh, never had a banking job, never went to Wall Street, really was just an entrepreneur, started 13 businesses and finally started a fund and it took off. I know I, I didn't graduate college. My brother, uh, he's a lawyer, graduated from ASU, but none of us did Ivy League. None of us did this crazy thing. And anyways, so that's, what, that's the, the crux of why we, why we throw events, why we do stuff is to help give people access to what I had, right? To share the, you know, the same thing. 
how do you teach someone to get started? Like what, what, what are the steps to get somebody started? What do you, what is your curriculum teach? Yeah. Uh, good question. I, I, I won't go too long, but um, I'll kind of break it down for you a little bit. The first thing I tell people is, is you think back to my story. Um, you don't know what you don't know. So the first thing is education, right? You got to learn it. That's what I did first. And it's funny is when you start to learn something, you start to recognize it in your life. If you, if you ever bought a new car, like I bought a Subaru a couple of years ago and I start all of a sudden I started to see Subarus everywhere, right? All of a sudden there's Subarus driving around all the place. And it's not like there's magically more Subaru cars. It's the fact that I started to pay attention to that thing. So I tell everybody, step one is just educate yourself, learn, right? And then you'll start to recognize opportunities. Number two, and then we, we walk people back to like our content though. We have a four-step formula called the fund launch formula. So we go through four distinct steps of somebody to start launch and scale their fund. Um, I, I can dive into it if you want, but step one is finding incredible deals. I can walk you through that and helps you raise capital like crazy or partnering with people that have incredible deals Two, framing out your fund. And we help with a lot of that, how to the pieces of it, how to file it, how to all the stuff there. Number three, going and pitching investors, right? Building a pitch deck, how to approach investors, how to find them, how to source them, how to close them, right? The whole closing structure of an investor. And then finally, number four, doing the whole legal process. So the legal, getting the lawyer signed, lined up, you know, different entity structure and how to actually put it all together um, is kind of our content. We, and we talk about crazy stuff too. If for some people they need, you know, uh, international funds and feeder funds and Cayman Island funds and Luxembourg funds. We talk about all that kind of stuff for different, there's different tax reasons you do certain things, but anyways, it's, it's a step-by-step. It's like anything in life, right? Yeah. It's a little hard to do, but the payoff is huge, right? Like, yeah, it's hard to learn how to cook like a perfect lobster, you know, bisque or whatever, but it's worth it. If you can nail it, man, the payoff is huge inside of funds. And so we give people the content we bring in, you know, we bring in a lot of mentors and coaches and people to help just teach and educate on those topics. So Anyways, hopefully that gives you a small breakdown. That's kind of what we do. Yeah. So what, why do you think this has been so unaccessible to the everyday person? Like this is obviously a gap you noticed, right? There's only people with big money that are able to do this. Why is the average person not in tune with the ability to create funds? The, uh, I, I, the first reason I think of is it's people want to keep it at the elite level, right? Um, if you look at uh, really wealthy people, what do they do? They send their kids to the top universities. They'll sometimes cheat to get them in. And they hope their kids go work in consulting, investment banking, and then eventually go to hedge funds, private equity, real estate funds, or come back home and run the family office, which is a fund. Run the family internal fund, right? And I think there's a piece of it that it's supposed to be reserved for the ultra wealthy. Um, number two, I think, I think it's been dramatized as this I mean, if you go look at blogs and read things online, it, people say it is impossible to launch a fund. Don't even think about it. Unless you're born under uh, a billionaire, unless you're, you know, a, a 180 IQ, like you can't do it. And it's really interesting. And we, I mean, we have dozens and dozens of case studies proving that wrong. And I think it's just a mindset thing. I think people just didn't believe it was possible. And the number, uh, number three was the education is actually kind of limited. I actually talked to lawyers, people that went to law school for business law, never have learned about funds. Don't even know the, the don't even know how funds function. I'm, I'm working with a lawyer right now. We're trying to set up. He's helping us with one piece of our fund. He's been practicing law for 25 years. Doesn't know the first thing about investment funds. So even, even law schools, I have friends at Wharton and Harvard and stuff. 
they don't even know. They don't teach it. It's not curriculum. It is only learned by, I guess, the elite or, or, or lawyer wants to like specialize in that category. It's really interesting that it's just not broadly taught for whatever reason. And so that's why we said, hey, there's an opportunity here. Let's, let's democratize this. And especially now, I think we've come through this, you know, internet age, obviously the world's been flat for 20 years. And, and especially with COVID, we have 44 million new people trading right now um, in the last 18 months. And so I think a lot of new people are saying, I got to invest. This whole inflation thing is happening. I got to get my money in the markets. I got to figure out how to do it. And I think it's been this whole uptick right now for funds as well. Yeah, that that's a, I mean, the trend is obviously there with the way that people are investing and, and platforms like Robinhood made it more accessible, even just regular day trading now, maybe not day trading, but just trading in general is more accessible to the everyday person because you don't have to go through a broker and pay ridiculous fees and all that kind of stuff. So it is, you are kind of putting, getting ahead of this a little bit, which is awesome. What is the the motivation for you here? Because you're obviously passionate about this. What part of it is it that's driving you? Is it making all the money? Is it connecting with all the people? What what keeps you so inspired by this? Number one, I and I'll just be blame about it. I I think you should, especially in your 20s. I have so many friends that are like, oh, I'm gonna go out and save the whales. And I'm like, I'm gonna go change the world, which I think is great. But dude, you're you haven't even changed your world yet. How are you going to go change the world when you haven't changed your world yet? Right. And I personally, so just number one, I obviously it's, I think it's an incredible business vehicle to make a, make a decent, great amount of money so that I can use that money to go change the world and go pay my freaking neighbor's mortgage off and go buy, you know, if my grandma's got medical bills, I go just, I just go pay for them. Right. I want to be that person that hires family members that brings people in that buy someone a car. Like how cool is that? Right. That changes people's worlds. The number one cause of stress of divorce, of suicide in this country is tied to financial purposes. So if you can solve financial reasons, your problems aren't going to go away, but a significant amount of stress in your life statistically goes down. Okay. So number one is money, but also number two, the bigger reason, that's more the reason I run investment funds. The reason I love doing content and stuff online is I truly love, I actually love this, like being on podcasts, being on shows, talking, sharing, connecting with me. I think it's really fun. I think social media is the coolest thing on the planet. I love connecting with so many people across the world, people that I never would have met ever in a thousand years, you know, and now we chat and we send them videos and we just hang out, you know, on, I think it's so cool. And I personally, just a side note, like my dream job was after we make all the money and whatever, I would love to be like a high school motivational speaker that goes and like gets kids off of drugs. Like that would be my dream job, hands down. Um, at least for right now. <laughs> so anyways, I, I love, I think it's fun to be a fun to, to kind of have, you know, I, I, we're pretty, I mean, our following is pretty small, but at least have a somewhat of an influence and try to make some ripples out in the world to do change, you know, change other people's lives. It's really cool. So if I'm sitting at home and I'm hearing you talk about this, like my, my red flags kind of go off, right? Like this, this is for people that have opportunity and you talk about, connecting all these people that have money and nobody in my circle has money. I come from the middle of middle class. There's no one around me. I could maybe raise maybe the 50 grand that you talked about. What is your approach to somebody that just has these mental roadblocks that just thinks like this can't be possible for me sitting on this side of it? It's a great question. Um, Number one, sorry, I'll, I'll share a few different points. I'm passionate about this. So number one is that is a total false belief in your brain. 
I, myself included, I, uh, I grew up in a middle area, middle high school, you know, and um, no one has money, right? No one's rich. And come to find out, there's actually a lot of people that now I've learned that are a lot like my dad. My dad drove a crappy beat up car for 20 years, lived in a medium house and had 30, 40, $50 million in the bank, right? Didn't show it, didn't care to show it, was very fiscally just conservative, right? That's number one, false belief. And I think a lot of us, we see social media and we go, well, the only rich people out there are the ones who drive Ferraris and Lamborghinis on Instagram. That's it. And so if I can't connect with one of them, then I'm screwed. And the reality is that's like 0.01% of wealthy people. Most wealthy people I know that are super wealthy. I have a friend worth over $100 million. The people that are actually wealthy don't want people to know they're wealthy. And they hide their wealth like crazy. Okay, so that's just the first false belief. But I actually, I asked that same question to my dad. So I said, dad, how am I going to raise money? Like, what am I going to do? And he walked me through this little example that kind of helped me. And I'll walk you guys through the same thing. He said, Bridger, I want you to imagine... I'll do the same thing for you guys. Imagine that we, me and you, found a, a brand new Lamborghini Aventador in Billings, Montana, okay? And this car uh, is, a, is appraised. We have a mechanic look at it. It's appraised at $200,000, okay? Brand new, it's probably more than that, but let's we'll call it $200,000 right now. Beautiful car. There's a lady going into bankruptcy. She has to sell the car this Saturday, okay? And she is willing to sell the car for $50,000, Okay. And just go with me. And by the way, we have a verified buyer on Monday that'll buy the car for $200,000. Okay. We've already checked that out. It's all checked out. Okay. Let's pause there. So, so there's this car, it's worth 200 grand. We have somebody that's willing to buy it for 200 grand. She's selling it for 50. Yep. Cause it's an auction fire sale. Okay. Bridger and you, could you, you can't use any of your own money. Could you go find $50,000 by this Saturday? And he asked me this question. And I kind of thought about it. I said, 50 grand. And I kind of, he said, think about former, a former boss, a college professor, an aunt, a grandpa, a friend from high school, like anybody. Could you musker up $50,000 in a couple of days? And I thought about it and I was like, man, and I, I'm in college at the time. And I was like, shoot, like I'm going to make 150 grand guaranteed if I can just come up with 50 grand. He's like, guaranteed. You obviously got to split it with your investor. But yeah, let's say you're going to, you're going to make 100 grand this weekend. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm in college. I'll make $100,000 this weekend if I can find 50 grand. Like, screw it. I'll go talk to every, I'll beg on the side of the road. I'll go knock on business doors. Like, right? Like, I'm going to come up with $50,000. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I can do it. And he goes, what about $100,000? Let's say the car was worth, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit higher. Instead of 50, it's 100 grand. Could you find $100,000? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm probably not going to sleep for four days. But yeah, in college to make that kind of money over a weekend, like, dude, I'm going to die trying, you know, he goes, he goes, why? And I go, well, the, you, the, the deal, it was, it was, uh, you know, you said it was foolproof. You said it was hundred percent guarantee. Right. And he goes, aha, there it is. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, three minutes ago, you were telling me that you're too young. You don't have the contacts. You don't have the right resume. And all of a sudden you're telling me you could find $50,000 or $100,000 by this Saturday. Why? Because the deal was so juicy. It was so good. It was foolproof. And he goes, the biggest reason people can't raise money or have a problem raising money is they don't believe in their deal like you believed in that arbitrage of that Lamborghini. And he said, I see it every single day. A lot of people pitch, they go, hey, you wouldn't want to give me any money, would you? 
you know, this half-hearted type of pitch. When you go to an investor or your best friend, like this is, by the way, you should raise money this way. Like when you, when you find, it should be that good of a deal that I show up and I'm like, dude, Travis, Brandon, I, I had to interrupt you. I know you're at dinner with your family, but this is the greatest deal on planet earth. I have looked for 20 years. I've never found anything better. This is a guarantee almost, you know, nothing's hundred percent, but this is a 99% guarantee. I'm putting my own money in. You guys should get in. If you have a friend call you like that and they're that serious, you'll find the money, right? And you should, by the way, you shouldn't be, you should not be raising money unless you believe in it that much. You should not, don't fake it. Don't just be a salesman. You should really believe this is the greatest deal I've ever found. This is amazing. Like there's nothing that'll beat this. Do you guys want to just come in with me? I'm, I'm putting money in. My, my mom's putting, we're all putting money in. Do you want to come in? It's crazy how much money you've, you can raise. And when I, so when people ask me at Bridger, I don't have any money. I'm like, dude, do you believe in your deal enough? Number one, now number two is the other side of the coin. You got to change your question. This is the other side to do it. Instead of asking how, ask who. Instead of saying, how do I raise money? Ask the question, who? Who can I find that can raise me some money? I had a friend call me. There are people that have already networked and been to the parties and the charity events and already have this incredible network of high net worth people. They've been developing this network for the last 10 years and they have no clue what to do with it. One of my business partners is this way right now. I, I actually had a guy last year call me, Bridger, I've got two friends that are billionaires. They love me to death. They want to invest in my deals. These literally these two billionaires will give us money. Can I come be a part of your fund? I'll help raise you money. I'll bring these billionaires in. And I was like, you got two billionaires that want to put money in? Sure. Yeah. Come on in. Let's do it. Like, yeah, I'll take your money. Like, let's do it. Right. Sounds great. So don't change, you know, change the question from how to who there are people that are professional money raisers and that's all they're good at. They're not that great at finding deals. They're not great at the numbers. They're just really good at networking and going to party. They've already been doing it for a decade. So the, the second point is if you, if you don't want to raise yourself, that's fine. Find someone who's already good. Change your question from how to who that'll change. That'll change your whole life. So I'm sure these deals are out there everywhere. I'm sure there's opportunity everywhere. How does one go about finding that deal? Like a deal you're so excited about, you got to interrupt your friend at dinner. How do you find those deals? Yeah, so um, now I, I, on my content, I don't teach investing. I don't teach how to invest just because there's so many other people that teach that. But what I'll say is this, there are so many examples of arbitrage, like just flat out incredible deals out there right now. And they exist all over the place. We have one guy, he does, I'll just give you an example. He does funeral homes. He literally buys mom and pop funeral homes and he can flip them. And he holds them for about a year and can sell them for about double on the public markets a year later. So for example, he has an $8 million fund. He buys funeral homes. Let's just say an example, a million dollars a piece, $8 million. So eight funeral homes he buys for $8 million. In one year, he turns around and sells them for $16 million one man show. He, they make $8 million. He pays investors. He takes home about $1.8 million a year. That's all he does. There's easy ways to make money and there's hard ways to make money. So now the other side of it, if you're not, and by the way, you should test this with your own money test, whatever. If you're not that guy, that's okay. Partner with someone who is. So if it's, again, it's not the how it's the who. So if you're like, Hey, I just don't know how to find deals. Cool. Go partner with somebody who does. I, I kind of have a, a little framework, the three circles of a fund. I wish I had a whiteboard here, but 
I already described the money raiser circle. That's a person or a group, a money raising circle. You have your, I call it your expert investor person. That's the person that's, you know, they've done real estate for the past 30 years. They're just, you know, they know deals inside and out. They've traded options in their basement for 10 years, you know, that person. And then in the middle, you have what I call the fund manager. This person is really good at accounting and the legal compliance and putting it all together, right? All the legal and all that kind of stuff. So whoever you are, pick one of those three and get really good at it. Get really good at being that expert investor. Get really good at being the fund manager or get very good at being the money raiser. And, and then you'll find partners who are, who are good with you as well. Me personally, I'm an average investor. I don't, I don't claim to be a great investor. I'm a very good fund manager and I'm a pretty decent capital raiser. So what I do is I go find really good operators. I find really good, you know, guys and gals that are, you know, like we have a crypto fund coming out. These guys have been trading crypto for the last, since 2014. Like, I mean, a long time for crypto. These other guys that have been doing real estate for 18 years. I'm partnering with them, right? So anyways, long answer, but that's, that's what I would say. No, that's a great answer. I, I, I think that's a good point is you don't have to be the one guy who does all of it. There are people who are good at other things. And so really, it, is it, do you find that it's a better it's more successful if you have a partnership in a uh, fund management structure? Um, it just depends. It depends on who you are and what you do. And um, my first two funds, I had no partners. I was the only, I, sorry, I own 95%. I had two minority partners. I did a lot of it myself. Uh, our new funds, no, I'm, I'm grabbing partners like crazy because partners give you speed and money loves speed. So I, I love speeding things up. Um, and so I, I'm a partnership type of guy. Typically, I haven't seen very many successful funds that's a one-man show. It's typically, there's a partner that's really good at finding deals, one that's really good at raising capital, one that's, you know, or a mix of the three. But I, yeah, I like partnerships more. Yeah, I, I think there's there's brilliance in that. We've talked about that in other contexts, right? Is like, find out what your strength is and leverage the crap out of that and then outsource the things that you need help with. It seems simple on paper, but it's actually pretty hard to do. How do you go about picking a team and making sure you have the right people around you? Oh man, that's a good question. And I'm sure everyone's different on this. I'll share a few things. And I've, you know, we have our other investment fund secrets now as our company. We've got about 20 employees now and I've got, you know, one main partner um, on it. And um, number one, I like to date my partners. I, uh, I don't like to just jump in. I like to date them for three to six months. And what we'll do is, well, I like to test them out in meetings. I like to test them out on certain deliverables. Hey, we need this thing done by Friday. Do they follow up? Are they, you know, how are they, right? I like to get references. I like to talk. I actually call a lot of my, you know, friends or people on LinkedIn to vet that person. Um, but again, too, it's, you know, there's some, there's some bit of a, a chance when you get a new business partner. The other thing I like to do, though, this is kind of more specific. This is when I'm hiring as well. Me and my business partner, Mason, we try to only hire what we call A players. We only hire a, a players. And what we mean by that, we want people who are high performers in every aspect of their life. We want people that are just, they would kill it at whatever they're doing. And so like one of my interview questions I asked, we actually we just hired like three people. My first interview, I'm like, tell me about your ideal morning. How would you spend your ideal morning? And what do you spend your normal mornings? Like, what do you do in the morning? And one guy who goes in, well, you know, I kind of roll out of bed at like 730 I grab some food. I, uh, and then I, you know, get ready and go to school. I'm like, okay, cool. Another person, um, you know, I wake up at six 30, I hit the gym. I try to read a little bit and then I go to work. This other person comes in. Yeah. I wake up at four 30 AM. 
I, I run this far. I do this kind of late lifting schedule. I then come back. I read, I study. I want to sharpen my mind. I take a cold shower and then I'm into work at 830. And I'm like, oh, that's a very obvious tell who's an A person and who's a B person, right? So I try to bring on people that will kill it in every aspect. I don't want to babysit people. Every person on my team, all 20 of us, we don't have vacation days. We don't have sick days. We don't have schedules. I don't care if they're in the office or not because I trust them. I go, you guys get your work done, be excellent at it, find inefficiencies in the business and grow this business. And that's the people we hire. If I've got to babysit you and give you tasks, you're gone. I'm going to fire you because that's not why you're here, right? And so what that's done, we didn't even know this when we've hired people. So our team of 20 people, we have six people that were student body presidents in their high school. Um, we have two people that were professional athletes. I did not know this when we hired them. I found out after two people that were former professional athletes. We have six people that play D1 sports and then two people that play D2 sports. And so you can tell this is a caliber of people that have performed in high functions in other, whether it was sports, athletics, whether it was, uh, you know, a student body president role where you, you know, you got to be voted in and liked among your peers, all that kind of stuff. It's, I, I truly believe in bringing A players. It's, it's one A player is worth 10 B players. And so it's not even worth your time to hire B players. I don't care about people's resumes. I don't care about their backgrounds. I don't care about the schooling unless they like killed it in school or did something. I just want to see a star over their head. That's what I want to see when I hire somebody. I don't know if that's the right way to do it or wrong way, but that's how I do it. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> that's how I do it. Is it working for you? Proofs in the pudding, as they say, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we've gone from zero to $7 million in 18 months in our company with about a 45% profit margin. So it's been pretty good. Say, yeah. We've been pretty excited. I would say it's, it's a good hiring model. Yeah. It's been pretty fun. At least so far we'll see cross our fingers. I don't know. It might all implode tomorrow, but yeah, we've, uh, it's been pretty fun. No, it's awesome. And it sounds like you're really excited about it. How do you get everybody? Cause finding an A player is one thing, but getting people bought into what you're doing, there's another leadership aspect to this. How do you keep your team as jazzed about this as you are? Um, yeah, there's a couple ways. I don't know. I'm not the perfect person at this. I try to bring energy to the office. And anyway, sometimes I'm not good at that. Sometimes I am. I hate, I, I we try not to, I try not to pay anybody on commission or a salary or sorry, a salary or an hourly. I try to only pay people on commission or rev share. So if the company grows, you make more money. If the company shrinks, you make less money. We're all incentivized the exact same way. I think that's, that gives you energy, right? Like, Hey, if I push a little harder and our company, you know, breaks our monthly goal, I'm getting a bonus and I'm getting, you know, I make more money that motivates people. You know what I mean? I'm motivated by that. And then secondly is we love posting wins. So we'll do a lot of wins in our group because we help people, we help companies. And it's like, dude, we just helped this company. It just changed their life. This guy is a single dad. He's now killing it. He can help his kids. You know what I mean? We love to post wins from our students. And I think that gives you the fire of like why we're doing this. And then secondly, I love the, you know, the monetary fire as well. Um, and, uh, you know, commissions being tied, whether it's rev shares, commissions, bon you know, bonus structures. I, I love that kind of stuff. I think a salary or an hourly rate incentivizes you to waste time. It incentivizes you to just spend hours sitting at your desktop and just doing nothing. Yeah. What's the mind shift with that? Because you're, we're operating in a culture where that has been the norm for so long and, and the world's changing, right? Like people are moving into entrepreneurship more and more, or even just like solopreneurship. They're leaving their job to start their own side hustle. What do you see the future of all of this and for funds specifically, where is this going long-term? Just this, the, the side hustle economy. 
Is that what you're kind of asking yeah. about? Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. I, dude, I think I'll, and I'll just, this is my story. I was in college, you know, 2017, 18, 19. And I was like, man, dude, everyone is making so much money. The economy is crushing it right now. What am I doing at school? Right? Like what's going on? You know? And you think about, you know, all these millennials, I, I laughed, dude. I, there was a post yesterday from Forbes that like millennials had the least amount of chances to make money or something. And I was like, you chose that though. If you chose to go to school in 1997, 1998, 1999, and then you graduated in year 2000, you got to understand the seasonality and, oh, there was this big dot-com bubble that crashed and, oh, I don't have a job anymore. And then, or I graduated in 2009. It's like, dude, what were you doing in 2006, five, six, seven? And I was sitting at school and I was like, man, right now the world is ripe for opportunity. We have this whole thing called blockchain. We have AI. We have these emerging technologies right now that are all conversing. It's crazy. We have, and it's just, we can talk about that more, but um, it's crazy. The conversion of technology right now, there are multi, multi-billionaires and millionaires that are being starting right now companies that are going to be that in three years. And the, the, the seasons might change in three years. And guess what? If they do and you crash and fail, guess what's always waiting for you? School. School will always take your money. School will always re-enroll you. School will always happily put you into an MBA program. They're like, they enroll at like 90% right now, everybody. So I'm like, screw it. I might as well take a chance while I'm in my 20s. Like, and I, I had a great, sorry, I'm going, I'm ranting about this, but I had a great, um, a guy I met, I was at BYU. I'm, I'm talking to this guy and he started this successful company. And I was asking him like, should I take the jump? Should I leave? And he goes, Bridger, he goes, do you have um, a parent or two parents, one or two parents? I said, yeah, I got two parents. And he goes, do one or both of them have a house with a bed in it that you, if you failed, you, they would let you move back in with them and you could like eat out of the fridge and, you know, like live with them for a couple months while you get back on your feet. If you absolutely failed. And I said, yeah, you know, like I bet my, yeah, my parents would definitely let me in, you know, now for five years, no, but for, you know, six months, of course, like they would definitely help me out. They're my parents. And he goes, then what's like, what's your problem? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, your worst case scenario is a warm bed and a fridge full of food in it. That's a better scenario than 85% of the planet. You have no business not taking a chance on yourself. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, that hit me. I was like, dang, he's right. My worst case scenario is better than 85% of the world lives. Who, what? Like I, you know, you, you listen to people that are on their deathbeds. It's always the things they didn't do. Oh, when I was 35, I wish I would have written a book. When I was 45, I wish I would have started that business. When I was 65, I should have done this, right? I was like, screw it. I'm in my 20s. Right now you can start businesses for pretty much $0. We started Investment Fund Secrets for $500. That was our budget. We had $500 budget. We launched a, a couple of ads, a course, and um, we made $1,800 the first weekend. And we were like, holy crap, this is crazy. This is awesome, you know? And, uh, and I can tell you that story too, but we, we like launched off and that's, we've, we've never put another dollar in. Like you can, this, we live in a day and age. You don't need like, anyway, sorry, I'm going on too long, but that's, that's my philosophy. Like dude, 300 years ago, you're in England. Okay. You had to own land to like, if you wanted a castle, if you wanted to live in a castle, you had to be born into it or have some really lucky thing or be a merchant right today. 
anybody with a t-shirt and like a, you know, a computer at a free library can make hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in anything with zero upfront cost. I mean, look at this, this whole metaverse, NFT platforms, all these social media. I, I have a friend that has a Facebook group, uh, about 20,000 members. She makes around 50 to $70,000 a month from a free Facebook group. You have no excuse. I'm, I'm so sorry. You have no excuse for not taking a chance on yourself. Anyways, I'm going to shut up now, but that's my rant on that. I, I totally believe in that. And school is always there. School is always there for you. That's really what we're trying to get at here is there, there, and this is exactly it is the, the philosophy that you're saying there is you have no excuse, but there's also a system to it. And that's what we're trying to get people to realize is that you have control over that. Like you have, you can put yourself in the right places to be successful. It, it doesn't just happen. Oh, hundred percent. My, my dad, I'll share just one other story with my dad. He kind of instilled this into me as a kid. We would walk into a restaurant like a, you know, a Korean or a Chinese restaurant. And he go, he goes, look at that guy over there. That dude, he goes, and he knew the owner. He like, they became friends. That, that guy moved the United, he was from Korea, moved to the United States four and a half years ago. Didn't speak any English, came with no money. Four years later, he's got a business, a restaurant set up. He's got a laundromat and like another business down the road. And he can still barely speak English. He, and he, my dad would look at me, he goes, dude, if that guy can do it, you have no excuse. You grew up in America. You speak English as your native language. You have access to internet and a computer. He's like, dude, you have no excuse not to be successful. And I was like, shoot. And he would always point out to me, these, these hustler immigrant, you know, I love, and I love that culture. I think, I think it's incredible, right? And you see time and time again, there's movies and YouTube videos about every, these rags to riches stories. And it's like, man, you can do that too. Anyways. So I'm a pro back to the question of the gig economy. I think the gig economy is huge right now. And I think people are recognizing that of, Hey, money is right now, by the way, in economics, money is shifting pockets right now at a faster rate than, than ever before. Right now, there's a bigger wealth redistribution that's ever happened in the history of the world right now. And also secondly, there's a, the largest human migration is going on right now. People are moving from urban areas to rural areas. It's the largest human migration in history. There's a lot of money when the world changes. There's a lot of money that happens, a lot of opportunity that's created and a lot of inefficiencies that are created. And you can go solve those problems. Anyways, that's my thoughts. You were talking about the convergence of these technologies. Shed a little bit of light on the opportunities that you're seeing out of that with NFTs and the metaverse and crypto. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll talk even broader than that. There's a great book. Um, it's called The Future is Faster Than You Think. Um, I just finished it. And I've actually read another, but this book did an awesome job. Um, essentially, these three guys in Silicon Valley, they just put together all the emerging companies. Now, what's going on right now is what they said. Why? Like there are explosions going on in healthcare, in transportation, in uh, AI, in the metaverse, in uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies, in everything, self-driving cars. Why is this? Why finally now is everything taking off? And they kind of say, well, you know, we've, We've had electric cars. The first electric car, I think, was like 1920s. We had an electric car. Jay Leno's got one of it. I saw it on TV. I was like, whoa, it was like an electric car like 100 years ago. Why now, right? And um, anyways, they talk about the convergence of a number of technologies. The main ones I remember was um, high-speed internet, 5G. Um, Starlink, one of Elon Musk's company, they filed for 12,000 patents um, for satellites. They're gonna, they have satellites that are going to give 
uh, high-speed internet to the entire world. They just updated that patent to 33,000 satellites. That's They're going to put around the globe to give internet, which adds another, what, 3 billion people now have internet anywhere they want, right? Which is a huge uptick. Number two, so you have high-speed internet now that can connect electric cars and drones and self-driving vehicles. And so, and then now you have AI coming out that can control and automate and function and transact with all this. Finally, our chip processors are fast enough to transact all that data that can put it together. So that's, that he kind of goes through like, that's why we're seeing this explosion right now. Um, there are 300 companies that he, he references that are all doing flying car startups right now, whether they're drone cars or flying cars. Um, Uber just invested $300 million for Skyports and flying car technology. Uh, Dubai right now has flying, uh, flying taxis and flying um, police officers. And the idea being, you're like, imagine a drone car comes and picks you up, takes you to the city, takes you back, right? Um, just like Uber, right? Um, their predictions are 2025. That'll be everywhere, right? Um, I mean, you just see this huge convergence of technologies in healthcare, in, in cryptocurrency. We can talk about more about crypto if you want, um, about decentralized finance, people moving away from the dollar and or just moving to safe and effective transactions. If you wanted to uh, send me money and I'm in Germany, $10,000, you have to go to the bank. You have to get a SWIFT code. You got to send it. They got to transact it in the Fed. Takes about three days to get $10,000 from the US to Germany. On, on a blockchain, takes two seconds. And so they talk about all these emerging uh, economies, you know, India, Africa, all these emerging economies that'll have internet now. And they guess what they all have? They all have smartphones. They have skipped credit cards and checks. They will never use credit cards and checks. And the other thing, he said, I don't know if I believe in this, but he said desktops because they have absolutely skipped credit cards, checks, and desktops. And, I, and he goes, well, I'm like, why? And he goes, because think about it. You don't need a credit card. Everyone there now has a QR code. They do, they do touch to pay on their phone. He goes, they are, one guy, he's like, I've, I've traveled to Uganda, all these other places. They use touch to pay and QR payments, like a Venmo, similar to Venmo, way more than anybody does in Silicon Valley. They are ahead of the curve on payment processing, on blockchain transfers, all that kind of stuff. I think there's just, there's, and there's, again, with all that change, there's huge opportunities um, around the globe for entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think that that's the key that's coming out of this, right? Is there's so much changing so fast. If you're sitting at home and you're looking at your life and you want something different, there's opportunity there. It's everywhere, right? You just got to go and find it and find out what that is for you. So uh, I know that you've been kind of under the weather and we want to be cognizant of your time and your health as well. But what do you say to someone who's sitting in that, that you can put that bug in their ear, light that fire under them to start to look for those opportunities? What, where do they even start with that? Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, obviously if they're listening to a podcast like this, you're already on the right track. Like for me, I, what I, anyways, this might not be the perfect way to do it, but what I did is I just started moving. I started, I just started trying stuff. And I think too many people sit and think and try to like, Oh, I'm going to like plan. I have so many friends. So I was at BYU, a very entrepreneurial school. One of the best, I think top three entrepreneurship program in the country. And what was funny is they had so many good ideas, but nobody like took action. And I think execution, man, it goes a long way. And so you had a lot of these people like, oh, I'm going to try wholesaling or I'm going to try this one day. And they'd plan these great little business ideas. 
but they wouldn't do anything. And I, we went out, me and my partner, we started six businesses, like actually started, had money in the door, had employees. And then be like, ah, that one doesn't work. Let's try another one. Right. And I was all about starting businesses for zero or little cost, like less than a hundred bucks. And I would give a business a six week runway. So I would, my rule, I had actually a professor teach me this. He said, I think it was, sorry, it was $500. What, what was it? No, it was 200. He, this was his rule. $250 and three weeks was his rule. And I kind of tweaked that a little bit. But he said, any pretty much 99% of the business ideas that you have right now, you can 100% vet them out in three weeks and $250. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, let's go. If you got an idea for a flying car, right? Flying car, three weeks, 250 bucks. You can go around and get prototypes, get designs, go to the design school, go and soft pitch investors, go to an angel group, see what's already going on and see if that's a good idea. And if you have legs, right? And then it's like, oh man, that's a big project. We're probably not the right guys for that. Okay, I want to do real estate wholesaling. You have three weeks, 250 bucks. Go on YouTube, it's free. Watch a bunch of videos on wholesaling and go set up some signs, go do the little contracts. I, I did wholesale two houses for five grand each when I was 20, 20 years old from YouTube and 250 bucks. Like you can, I think just start moving. And what happens is this, even if you don't hit it big in for me, this is what happened for me, at least people start to notice what's going on. They start to, they start to see you as a mover and shaker. They start to see you as someone who executes. And so what happened all of a sudden was people were like, Bridger, I've got this great idea. I want to, I want to partner with you on it. And I'm like, why do you want to partner with me? And they said, well, you, it looks like you're already doing stuff. You seem like you'd be a fun partner. Let's do it. And what's, and that's how the lucky keep getting luckier is you start moving. I think for people that are in the game and finally, you know, it took, it took me six business tries to get a business that made a little bit of money. And then business try seven and eight did really, really well. You know, it took me six failures. That's okay. My first website we built, it took me about 130 hours to build a website with a checkout page and like put it together. It took me forever, dude. It took me like two weeks of like every day, like trying to just grind this little, and it was on Wix, Wix.com. I was trying to build a freaking website on Wix. Now we have, I don't know, hundreds of websites because we have different funnels and ad tracking and stuff. We can build a full funnel out in probably 45 minutes. Soup to nuts, domains, checkout processors, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because you freaking learn through the process. And so I think so many people get, they just get stuck not doing anything. I don't know. I'm a person that likes execution. I like to just move. And what's funny is people start to see what's going on. And we live in this gig economy. Everybody's like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Who out of my friends should I partner with? Oh man, Bridger or, you know, Travis or Brandon, those guys look pretty legit. Like they're doing this podcast thing. Like maybe I should talk to them. And all of a sudden, ta-da, you have a great partner that comes in with this cool business idea for a flying car. And you're like, oh, let's be partners. Like, I don't know. That's what I, that's what I tell people is start moving. Even if it's not the perfect idea, man, get, get going. And anyways, I, I believe in reading a lot of books, obviously consume content, but anyways, that's what I would say. Sorry. I keep going on too long. You guys need to cut me off, bro. You guys just need to like pull the plug. There's gold. Don't interrupt you. Yeah. Well, we, we, I was just listening back on our second episode we ever did was a guy named Jesse Cole who owns a college baseball team called the Savannah bananas. And, uh, he was talking about how he had contact with the guy, the CEO at the time of American airlines, I think it was. And, and somebody asked him like, what's your, what's your business strategy? And he, he says, well, it's, it's called doing things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that, it's so simple really when you break it down like that. I know it's like me and my business part, the one thing we're good at is like, we get an idea 
Like we had an idea for a business two days ago. Today, we're literally setting it up and doing it. Like it's, we just moving. I think there's so much credibility in moving back to your point. And lastly, I'll say, there are people making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling pet rocks on Amazon. Like you have no freaking excuse. People are selling bath water of themselves on like, what is it? OnlyFans or whatever that platform is. Like there's the, I obviously don't suggest doing that or anything. Like there are crazy ways to make money. Like freaking these little pictures of rocks are making millions of dollars. Like stop making excuses. There are the craziest ways to make money right now. It's insane. People like, if you handwrite notes for people and like send it to people, people pay you to do that. Like it's crazy. There are so many ways to make money. It's insane. Well, Bridger, I think we've taken up a ton of your time and your energy. We appreciate you. Where can people find you and get in contact with what you're doing and maybe explore this for themselves a little bit? Yeah. Um, if you find me on Instagram, Bridger underscore Pennington. Um, and I've got a couple of gifts actually for people if they want them. Um, we have a free course on funds. So investmentfundsecrets.com, investmentfundsecrets.com slash free gift. Um, there's a free course on funds. We have like 30 plus videos, two downloadable guides, all that kind of stuff. You guys can go access to that. We've had over, I think 7,000 people go through that. It's been awesome. You put your name and your email in and you're in. Like it's pretty easy. And my goal from that, just so everyone's aware, I hope you come in and I knock your socks off. I hope you come in like, wow, this was freaking amazing. This middle mini course. And yes, we sell hired. We have like, we have a live event we're doing in April. We have a, you know, coaching program. You can work with me directly, all that kind of stuff. But I want to just give value first. And I hope you come in and like, dang, like this guy provided so much value to me. Like I want to go see their event or I want to like join one of their courses or whatever. That's the purpose. Just so everyone's aware, like what's, what are they doing behind the scenes? Like that's the plan. Okay. So I want to, I want to give you a ton of value up front. We have a free Facebook group as well. We go live in there every week. We talk about funds. You can connect with partners. Um, just again, investment fund secrets. If you look on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or, you know, my name, you'll find me. So Bridger Pennington or investment fund secrets, you'll find us. We'll share all of that. Bridger, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the work that you're doing. This is really fascinating because it's like we said, it was so unobtainable and you're bringing it to the, to the common household. So we appreciate you, appreciate your work and thanks for spending the time with us today. Thank you guys, it's been fun to be on.